All right, welcome to Debatable. I'm Dominique Foxworth. That's David Dennis Jr. Great games. We're recording late. We saw them all. It was awesome. Where are we going to start, Alabaster? We are going to start with the Suns and the Clippers. And after two games, how do you think this series will go? Man, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Kawhi is scary as hell. So uh, the Suns pulled off a win and seem to be in control. My man KD is offensively unstoppable. Devin Booker benefiting from KD being there, taking on lesser defenders, cooking, and DeAndre Ayton, I guess, heard us talking about how he got bullied and was impactful also in this game. So it, it felt like what we expected game one to look like. But still, I don't know. I know this wasn't what I was supposed to walk away with, but I walk away being scared of Kawhi Leonard, and he just seems like anytime he's shooting, it goes in. Anytime he's defending someone, they're not going to score. He might create a turnover. He just feels like, I hate to say it, but the best player in this series and the fact that the Suns can't go to their bench, it doesn't make me, even though they won this game and they felt like decidedly better on this day. If you think about Torrey Craig, I think hit six threes or shot. Well, his shooting percentage was like hovering around 80. Uh, that's not going to replicate, but I guess he's going to get a lot of open shots. I just still feel scared of Kawhi Leonard and the Tasmanian devil. That is uh, Russell Westbrook. Yeah, I'm, it's late. I'm a little delusional, so I'm going to make a Last Dragon reference. This oh, feels like that. when at the end of Last Dragon, oh. you remember when uh, when when Shownuff was holding his head underwater? Mm -hmm. He was like, and it was like, who's you're about to do who's the master? And then like he got the glow. Like mm -hmm. some point in that second quarter, like the Clippers were holding yeah. the Suns' head underwater, and the Suns were like, no, we're just going to make every shot we take. And that's essentially what happened. They went on what a 25 to two run or something crazy like that in the second between the second and third quarter and they just couldn't miss a shot and that's just going to going to be what happens when you have Booker and KD on the court and like you said Torrey Craig was was just you know launching from all over the place they tried doubling Durant and Booker just went crazy on the other side of the the court so that's just what's you know like you're going to have those flurries and those are going to win you games but I'm with you in terms of the long-term outlook for this series Kawhi does look like the they like there was that before that run, he was taking Kevin Durant's lunch money, you know, for a quarter and a half and looked better than everybody. And Westbrook looked like one of the, you know, four or five best players on the court, which I did not see coming. This looks like it's going to be a tight series. And if Paul George comes back and you can throw another body at KD and you have some extra scoring, this could get really scary for the Suns really quickly especially now that i mean the clippers have home court advantage as much as, as much as the clippers are going to have a, a home court advantage in cryptocurrency arena but yeah this yeah, this they, is probably more of a fight than the suns expected yeah the paul george question and like what condition he's in if he comes back when he comes back like that's that'll be a deciding factor because nobody except for the clippers have two guys that can guard booker and durant and i guess the big 3 is Aiton or uh, Torrey Craig, because Chris Paul, he hit some big shots late when it felt like the game, the pressure wasn't there. Uh, but he just feels like such a defensive liability where anytime he gets switched on to somebody, he's fouling just to avoid getting taken to the basket. And offensively, his like mid-range game didn't feel all together. But 
what we saw from the Suns is what we all imagine the best version of the Suns is because they, they weren't like hard, impossible shots. It was KD getting to those spots where he shoots those jumpers of everyone. And it was uh, Devin Booker exploiting mismatches and doing just about whatever he wanted and hitting shots that within his game. And that's the thing. There is no defense to stop that except for Kawhi. And Kawhi can't guard them both. And what they were doing to help out left Torrey Craig open in the corner. So I could see this series going in that direction, continuing to go in that direction where the Suns, uh, their talent overwhelms uh, the Clippers. But I also like see that their talent is is old and they cannot go to their bench. DeAndre Ayton got in foul trouble. And we saw that impact when it happened. The, the run tilted back the other way. Kevin Durant is who knows what version we're going to see of him later in this series. And Kawhi, as much as he's been injured, just does not seem to be uh, like fatiguing at all. So I, I don't know. I, I want to be definitive on this, but I'd be lying if I told you I really knew where this series was going to go. And that's that's how a seven game series is supposed to feel. I think, you know, like, I, I mean, it's it's. And that's how I, I mean the Kevin Durant thing is is interesting. I don't know if it's just like he's not 100 percent from the injury or he's still working his way with the Suns thing, or if it's Kawhi. But like there are long stretches. I mean, as we know in game one, the you know, down down the stretch there with no points, no shot attempts, you know, last few minutes of that game. He looks like there are long stretches where Kawhi's taking him out. And of course, Kevin Durant is just Kevin Durant. So he's gonna score his 30 points. The other concerning thing is they're playing 40 minutes a game. Yeah. Like they're playing Kevin Durant 40 minutes a game, even in a double digit win. Played, I think, 44 tonight, uh, 40 the first game. Booker was playing 40. Yeah, I'm, I'm less concerned about Booker's minutes as, right. as, as Kevin Durant. Like if you're going to keep throwing him out there for 40 minutes a game against Kawhi, having to guard him and score on Kawhi, like not even if they get through this series, like how are they going to continue doing this all the way to the, to the finals? Like these are some things that they got to worry about. When you talk about depth, the irony here is Bridges and Cam Johnson who are in Brooklyn right now are like the Clippers are doing the things that you need those guys for getting the rebounds, boxing out, playing, you know, playing a little bit of extra defense and they're looking thin, man. I, I'm, I'm, I think this yeah, is going to be a long thing series. About, the tough thing about the attrition um, argument is like you could, argue it both ways because like I get it they're putting a lot of mileage on these guys and they don't have a strong bench but also they're switching off on Kawhi on defense and Kawhi mm. is guarding either one so like Booker and KD it seemed like either one of them was on Kawhi defensively uh for much of the game and on the other end Kawhi is mostly guarding Durant and is expending a lot of energy so like that suggests to me that at the end of this series Kawhi is going to be worn down mm. The rest of the Clippers may not be, but I also know how old this, the uh, Suns are and how many minutes they're logging and how much pressure they're putting on those guys. Like, I, I really am having a hard time getting an angle on this and feeling confident about it. So when in doubt, go with the seven footer who is actually a shooting, shooting guard. So I'm going I'm going to stick with the Suns. So I picked before the series started and I'm going to assume that at some point Kawhi is going to be human again. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to go Suns too, but yeah. I, I think it's going seven. I think it's going seven. They don't have any other options though. Like uh, when I think about the Suns, like it's it's KD or, or Booker offensively. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess Gordon for 
for the Clippers, it just doesn't, it feels like they need somebody else. At, they're going to need somebody else at some point to, to win four or win three more games. So we'll yeah. See. And this, this was the Westbrook game. Like this was the Westbrook offensive game that you may not see too much of. I mean, he, he was pretty efficient. Yeah. Uh, almost 30 points. Um, you know, uh, that this was the game. You don't, you don't know, like <laughs> you got the three for 19 and you got tonight somewhere he's going to be land somewhere in the middle probably but you're going to need more, more of tonight from from westbrook i don't know if you'll get it yeah all right alabaster what's next all right we're gonna move on to the warriors and the kings because we got news that demontis sabonis has a contused chest he's questionable but you know who's not questionable draymond green adam silver came down and handed him a sussy he is suspended for game three, does that suspension seem justified to you? Um, I think I'm going to be in the minority here and answer no. It doesn't. Um, I guess they want to match it up if uh, Sabonis is going to be out because of it, that that um, Draymond's going to be out also, or it's just like a body of work. But I don't know. I, I think, again, as often does, my union background pops out and – I need hard and fast rules like this. This is like the 15 tech thing. I get it. So you get 15 techs. That's what happened to him in the finals against LeBron. You get 15 techs. You got to sit down. There's like a throwing a punch rule. Like you can you throw a punch. There's the coming off the bench rule. As long as those things happen and we can like demonstrably point or see these demonstrations of like clear rule breaking, then it's like, yeah, sit them down. But from what I understand, like the language in the suspension also said that like uh paraphrasing here but like his history played into it like i i gotta be honest i get it but i don't like it yeah the, the history played into it thing just leaves it up to so much ridiculous interpretation uh in in defense of the league they have punch rules draymond invents new new methods of violence that they have to keep up with we have flicking flicking up to the testicular area yeah. we have a a, a a foot to the chest twist thing that so that i think there should be an umbrella Draymond violent thing that we should we should talk about about making it definitive. But yeah, I, I'm with you. I, this does not seem justified. Um, I think in in general, playoff suspensions, playoff miss time, way more than regular season miss time. You miss seven minutes in the fourth quarter of a game of a very close game that you know that contributed to the Warriors losing that game. That's enough, man. It was also retaliation from. Sabonis grabbing his foot. I mean, Draymond's excuse was ridiculous. He didn't have anywhere to step. But still, Sabonis, Sabonis grabbed his foot first. He stomped. We should be able to move on, man. Like you yeah. should. Like this is a, a suspension that really defines this series. I mean, this turns you know turns the course of the series. I mean, series is already heading one way, but it sort of has it there faster a little bit, and it's unnecessary. I mean, I, I think you, you there was no reason to do that. And and the like you said, going back and looking at his past stuff i mean that's uh, so if you know if Stephen curry had done that we just like we yeah, don't we them, that's what it sounds like and that just yeah. sounds like not how you should do rules you know yeah i mean i know they just closed up the new cba that's gonna come into play a year from now right so they can't make any changes but if you want to make like a career threshold you're over this certain amount then we're going to be more difficult with the way we grade you but i, I feel like in general you can't that's just not how it works 
in in life. It's not really how we do things. We don't wait till somebody breaks a rule and then say, oh, that's against the rule. So, I mean, I guess when Draymond opens himself up to something like that, then he has to understand that it's a possibility. So I'm certainly not cr- crying for Draymond, Draymond, but like one of the things we always said, like at the union is like we're defending all the players, not just the players. So like oftentimes you're put in really tough situations that are much worse than this, where you are defending you're fighting for the right to like lower the suspension of someone who's committed some sort of real crime. And in that moment, you don't feel great about doing it, but you also understand that what you're defending is like due process and you're defending it so that when something else like this comes up, that's not nearly as uh, harsh that they can't point to some precedent and say, oh, but we do whatever we want. And now it feels like this is one of those situations where they're kind of doing whatever they want and tilting the balance of this series. Yeah, and, and even even the idea of looking at his past transgressions, like they did not exactly even define what that meant, you know, which is the issue. They didn't define what, past, you know, obviously we know Draymond has done things in the past. I mean, he got suspended, but we're talking about, two, if we're talking last time he suspended in the playoffs, 2006, that's seven years ago, you know? So like, what are we actually talking about here um when we're doing that and you you can't do that you can't do that in the playoffs like there's just no way you can do that in the playoffs but yeah, i mean i think we also i don't neither of us are like defending draymond and right like, this is a price you have to pay when you do stuff like that i know that he and any everyone around him who supports him would argue that you you get the good with the bad with draymond and and the good definitely outweighs the bad and he should pay a price for it and it sucks that this is it but i guess the the hope for them is this deters him and other players going forward from doing stuff like this. But I also kind of feel like Draymond can't really help it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not like, I mean, I, I think if that happens in the next game, Draymond's doing the exact same thing. Like there is no deterrent <laughs> for somebody like Draymond to do the things that he does at the spur of the moment. But you were talking about the taking the good with the bad. This now has become the Draymond season for the Warriors. Uh, yeah. I mean, Jeez. You know, it starts with you punching uh-huh. your teammate and theoretically ends with you getting suspended in the first round, stomping on a guy like this is and then a you're a free dream. agent. Right. And then, <laughs> then you're going off into the world uh, to be free. Hard. Yeah, it's yeah. real hard to for them to resign him on the heels of that. And it's going to be real hard for someone else to convince their fan base or their players or their uh, uh, team governors that. Draymond Green is the missing piece. Yeah, I mean, you, if you're the Warriors, you were looking like we can go home, we can win two, we're right back in this thing, and now it, the the uphill battle just got up uphillier. I like that. Like uphillier, and and it makes sense. and it was avoidable. It was avoidable. Like it, it's a bad suspension, in my opinion. But the way that you guarantee that you don't get suspended is you don't step on a guy's chest. Um. They may win the next game, but it find it hard to believe that they'll win the series because it seems like they don't have answers for the problems that the, the Kings present. And I'm not sure statistically how the Kings defense is playing, but it seems a whole hell of a lot better than the worst in the league, which is what I, the numbers have been saying all season. Like they look like a, a competent team. And I think if we could wipe our minds of the history, which may be a dumb thing to do, but we wipe our minds of the history of these teams and we watch these games. There's one team that's better than the other team. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, 
That's right. But it's also it's just hard. It's hard to be like it's just hard to be like this. World, the world champion warrior is going to lose to the Kings in the first round. Like yeah. say like think about that yeah. from a year ago. And it, it's just it's just a it's one of those things that you're going to have to watch. You're going to have to see the Warriors lose that series and walk off with their heads down and be like, wow, the Kings really beat the Warriors. And, and the, actually, as I'm watching this. It is sort of like creating this time as a flat circle thing because it feels like the We Believe Kings oh, beating, you know, yeah, going the, against the yeah, Warriors. It like feels the we like the Warriors that, back in the yeah, day. That's, yeah, that's that's sort of what it feels like. And I mean, that crowd is is crazy. There, there are adjustments the Warriors can make. Namely, Jordan Poole has to be better. I that's mean, not that's, an adjustment. That's the thing. That's not an adjustment. Be better is not an adjustment. Jordan Poole. <laughs> Make some shots. <laughs> I, I told I told y'all this last year when he couldn't be in the playoff games in crunch time that they should not pay him and they should not plan for him to be their succession plan. And they're stuck with him. Like he is he wasn't that guy then. In cl- in close crunch time minutes last year, they pulled him because he's a streaky scorer, which I guess all scorers are kind of streaky, but he also doesn't do anything else effective on offense other than shoot and is a liability on defense. And when your team, this goes back to the like construction of this team where they're thinking that they can do two things at once, which then we can spin it forward to next year, what they're going to do about Draymond's contract and the year after that, Clay's contract, if it's time to blow it up. But like this is as much as we can blame the Warriors players for coming up a little bit short, like this is more to me on Bob Myers and the the management of them is that they thought that they could outsmart everybody and they had some really valuable assets. And rather than cashing those assets in to get some more help now, they thought that they could build a farm system on the side and and uh, transition into uh, Kaminga and Wiseman leading this team at, at some point. And you can't do that. That's why when, when LeBron touched down, Everybody under 25 must go. You got to go. <laughs> you got to go. You ain't ready. You got to go. And they tried to do something that no one else has ever done. And they, as I mean, I, I would argue that they're paying for it, but they did win a title last year. But they are paying for it a little bit right now. I mean, the the the, the championship sort of, ha- I mean, has he, I mean, it is a championship, but has he raced the bad, th- like, yeah. three years? Like, you have play-in where Steph was – passing the ball to Kelly Oubre and trying to make him, you know, score points. And then you win a championship and then you have this two tier thing that has never worked before Mm-mm. when those warriors play, you would probably want Otto Porter on this team. Yes. You'd want those young guys. They you know? need Otto, Otto Porter. They need an Otto Porter out there. They need the, you know, Rather have Otto Porter than Jordan Poole, honestly. Right. Yeah. And, and, this Bob Myers, the epitome of too much dip on the chip, right there, trying <laughs> to mean, feel like feeling himself, thinking he could do this. This is one of those like, sorry, Alabaster, I'll get to you in a second, but it's like feels like when a billionaire thinks that he can solve all the problems and doesn't realize like he has the answer to all these problems outside of his industry, and he doesn't realize that a huge portion of the reason why he's super rich is because he got lucky. It's like there's some things that lined up for you guys. Like Steph, Steph fell to you in the draft. Steph ankle got right. Draymond out of nowhere ended up in the starting lineup, and it worked out. Then the uh, the the cap bumped in a year where you could get Kevin Durant. Like there's a lot of things that you made some good decisions along the way, but then you was like, you know what? I did all this. Me, and I'll be I'm- here in my noodle. And Andre Iguodala was a consolation prize for not getting Dwight Howard. Let's not forget that part of the whole entire thing. (laughs) And you were on, and you were really, really considering trading Clay Thompson for Kevin Love. Like this was, there was a lot of things that fell in your lap, and you still feel like 
you can make these draft picks and make this happen and wave the white flag because you had to trade James Wiseman and a pick just to get Gary Payton the second back. That's right. Get him back. All right. What's up, Alabaster? So a a few things, but I I do want to note that like they have made good moves. Like even in losing Durant, they were able to flip that contract in D'Angelo Russell, flip that contract in Andrew Wiggins, which was the second best player on a title team last year. So the, those moves worked, but also you didn't hear us wave that all away by saying they did win a championship last year. And we rolled the eyes at it like it's not a big deal. Um, Just, just worth noting. Um, no, it's worth noting, but the fact of I mean, the matter I mean, is, I love being right. And a long time ago, I said you can't do two things at the same time. And so now I'm going to seize on this opportunity to say well, I'm right and erase the fact that they won a title last year, Alabaster. I mean, this is about what we're going to get has, into. Has, who amongst us has not won a trade with the Minnesota Timberwolves? <laughs> like to be to be to be honest, I went Gosh. up to the Timberwolves organization and gave them a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and they gave me a steak just last week. I went up there and had Rudy Gobert. Oh, Wait, All right. are the Timberwolves the reason for the full Warriors dynasty because they drafted Johnny Flynn and Ricky Rubio instead of Steph Curry? This is a think piece yes. for another time, but. Oh, um, <laughs> but uh, Dominique, the thing that I actually find interesting about you can't do two things at once is. They almost pulled it off. They just drafted James Wiseman and Kaminga instead of Halliburton and Franz Wagner, who are the players they were actually tied to, which is like a fascinating what if in this. Because what that brings me to is sometimes these dynasties just end in really ignominious ways. Like this could be, I'm not saying it is, but it could be like the Lakers in 2011 where they're playing these tight games with the Mavs and all of a sudden they're just blasted off the floor. How shocked would you be if really this uh, – Steph is still great – if this is just the last time they can build a team that can compete around him? Yeah, I'd be shocked if they can't build a team that can compete around them. I mean, I guess uh, when you have a piece like Steph, I think, who's like malleable and talented and, and makes life easier for the people around him, I think building something competitive around him shouldn't be that difficult. The the challenge comes with what do you do with Clay and Dre and how good can those pieces be considering that they're aging and off of some injuries and uh, at least for Draymond is a limited player uh, offensively and are going to require max deals because of what they've done and what they mean to the organization. So like it's going to be challenging to build around all three of them and Jordan Poole because you paid him too. It's going to be challenging to build around all of them. I don't think it's as challenging if this was like a, a classic LeBron team where he's the center of the universe and everything else is, is um, fungible. So yeah, I think it's probably going to be hard because of those other pieces. I mean, you look at the fir- first two games. I mean, you look at game two, actually. Uh, the Warriors were, I think, what, plus 14 in, in Steph's minutes and then a minus 25 or something in the last, you know, in, in the men's has played. They might have been the, actually in, the, in both games. And, you know, you should not have, with that amount of money you're paying, with all these rookies, a, a team in which you cannot sustain your star player sitting out. I mean, and they, both these games turned on those moments. First quarter, game two turned when Steph went out. First, uh, third quarter at the end of that game one turned when he went out. And you should have a roster that can hold this thing afloat. And again, that goes back to your buddy, Jordan Poole, being unable to step in. Like he cannot, when he's starting, he's doing great. Coming off the bench, he's not figured that out. And he looks terrible. I know he's got a, a bum ankle, but he looks bad. Uh 
uh, right there. And if we're talking adjustments, I think you're going to have to play Gary Payton II a whole lot more and just stick him to the Aaron Fox. Yeah. And you cannot sit Gary Payton II or Wiggins when Aaron Fox is playing. Put both of them, at least one of those guys on it, but yeah. really Gary Payton II and, and hope that if you got Gary Payton II there that you can make up that shooting with, with Steph Clay and, and, and Wiggins. I feel like um, as little respect as I have for general um, – for coaches in general in the NBA, like compared to NFL coaches, the amount of game planning that goes into it, I'm like, yeah, basketball coaches, they run pick and roll or ISO. Like, it ain't that hard. It appears that Mike Brown is doing something special because, and the special thing he's doing is they're old, go fast. It's working. Yeah, I mean, Mike Brown. I think I was. That's exactly what I was going to say. Mike Brown is doing something incredible with this with this team. Like he obviously he knows that Warrior squad. He knows how to you know get under their skin. It seems he knows a lot of their sets. Obviously, this team is just executing, man. Like yeah. there's just like I, like again, Warriors not blowing these games, man. The Kings are just like doing like making shots. They're just making all the shots, and sometimes it just comes to that, just executing the best. And and if you're talking about a run. Like, as hard as it is to imagine the Kings beating the Warriors when the series started, it's just as hard to imagine them beating LeBron and Anthony Davis. But that's also a seven seed. Like, that's, you know, like we're also looking at a three seed against seven seed. And if we're talking about speed bothering the Warriors, we're talking about speed that is going to really, really bother that Lakers team. And if they get past this series, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked at a Western Conference Finals run uh, with this Kings team. I think the, the one of the things that's most impressive about the Kings is game one felt like their Super Bowl. And to yeah. be able to come back and also perform in game two, uh, and it, like, it feels like a, a t- it's something that you wouldn't expect from this team. And that's really why like I've come out so aggressively on the Kings side is you have to accept what you're seeing. And it seemed like they're a, a better team. And I don't know. I haven't been high on the Lakers, so uh, I, f- I feel like the Warriors are a tougher matchup than the Lakers are, but I guess that's discounting how effective Anthony Davis when healthy is, and he is going to give Sabonis or Lynn uh, all that they want. Like these cl- I've been waiting for these clutch numbers to come down to earth for like <laughs> for like four months, and they have not. And, and you know, you got to figure – at some point they will, but they just they maybe they just they just hit light got lightning in a bottle and they just hit this really hot streak, and they're just riding it. I mean, uh, you know, maybe that's just what it is, and that could take you as far as 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 possible. Maybe you can't take it to the finals, but I mean, it's just hard to. We're talking about the Kings, man. It's hard to think <laughs> about. <this. laughs> it's like it's very hard look, to like. Like I have, I'm supposed to like sports you guys and uh, and give you the, the 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 takes and the the information and all that. It's the Kings, man. It's hard to imagine the Kings making the finals. Sorry. I mean, it's the it's the same reason why we all got excited the first time we saw Caruso dunk. Like you get accustomed <laughs> to seeing something that looks a certain way, behave in a certain way. And when we see them Kings jerseys, we are accustomed to them not even coming up short in the playoffs. We're accustomed to them sitting by us during the playoffs. So it takes a little while for us to come around to accept the idea that the balding white dude can jump out of the gym. 
That's what uh, Eight Mile was about, pretty much. <laughs> Basically, the plot of Eight Mile that you just explained. All right, so yeah, let's. The plot uh, of Eight Mile, the plot of like 30 movies. But anyway. Uh, let's we're going to talk, talk about Save the Last Dance again. I feel like we're going to oh talk about Save the Last Dance. Let's do it. Let's pivot to the Eastern Conference, and uh, I'll dance away from that to and locking into your heart. That well, I want to talk about the Cavs. Where two days ago we had Dominique Foxworth just say, "This is this is what you get when Donovan Mitchell is your best player on a playoff team." Well, what if I were to tell you that Darius Garland can be the best player for a night? Donovan Mitchell can be the best player for the night. Who knows? Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, they all could. So after two games, one where the Knicks gritted one out, and one where the Cavs spank them at the queue who should feel more confident in their series easy the knicks i mean if that's what you want you want to split on the road they got to split um i think the the results of the second game i think were influenced by the results of the first game they got ahead early and the knicks was like all right we got what we needed we're gonna go ahead and shut it down because uh resting up is something that Thibodeau teams uh do all the time he loves to give his players rest but anyway uh making fun of myself aside i still feel like what the knicks do is more sustainable i believe in it a lot more and uh not that the knicks have dominant wings but their contributions on the wing is where they're going to win this game or win both of the games in new york and i'm going to be proven right and it's not because donovan mitchell's on the team but it is because donovan mitchell and darius garland are their go-to players and Evan Mobley, even in this game, was not like was not an offensive threat that's reliable. Yeah, I think I think the Knicks should feel good in the like traditional playoff sense that you got the you got the road win. But if I'm the Cavs, I feel like okay, we figured like we we stunk in the first game, we figured this out, we spanked them. Our defense is back where it needs to be, and we should be able to win this series. I, I mean, it's I, I, it really annoys me when mediocre-ish teams are like, "We won the first game. We'll just take the second game off." We got like, you can't afford that, man. Go try to win that because you like, you're you're still a, a Knicks team that needs all the help you can get to win the series. I think the Cavs should feel like they figured this out. They let one slip in game one. The defense yeah. is just hard to overcome, and you know. I mean, I, I think, I, I think the Knicks series, probably. I think the Cavs are gonna win. Yeah, the Knicks probably subliminally took this game a little differently. I don't think that they walked out there. It was like, we don't want this game, but it got out of hand early and it was no sense in them expending too much energy. I think uh, what I just, I, the best player in the series to me is Brunson. Uh mm. I think, mm. like, I know that Mitchell put up a lot of points in the first game and, Gar- and Garland, like, pretty much controlled the first half of this game scoring-wise. And Mitchell was impactful offensively also. But I feel comfortable and confident in what he's able to do and what he's able to create for this for his team. Uh, the rebounding or the size advantage that the Cavs has, have is something that should worry me. But I'm not worried. It's the wings. They don't have no wings. They don't have defenders on the wing. The Knicks have wing defenders. They don't have wing defenders. That's what it's coming down to for me. It's Man, close. I though. think. Yeah, I mean, I, I would put. I mean, I would obviously take Mitchell as the best player on, on in the series, and especially because like there is, I think he has the capacity to win a game by himself uh, a little bit more than Brunson does. Like he no. has. There's. I think there is again a world in which there he's in Madison Square Garden and he puts up 55 points 
and no matter what the Knicks are doing, you know, the Cavs just win that game, you know, and, and they're, they're still that on the horizon. We saw bubble Mitchell and all the 50 point games that he had. And there's a, a huge capacity for that. And I just, I just think that he's, hate, his ceiling is probably higher than Brunson's. I hate when I don't fully believe my takes. This, this, this uh, game is too close. This series is too close. I want to be emphatic about my love for the Knicks, but every time I start to make an argument for them, I, another little argument in the back of my head is like, you know, and I don't feel fully confident in anything, which is why I resorted back to like, I just trust the best player in the series, which is also something that I don't feel 100% <laughs> confident about, even though I said it. If we're drafting this series, we're drafting teams or players from this series. I honestly, I think I'm going with Evan Mobley first, even though he doesn't do anything okay. offensively. And then, yeah, that's what I would do strategically. I go Evan Mobley, you take Brunson or Mitchell, and then I take the other one. And then I win. I get the first pick. Yeah. I think I think Thug Poet Slim Charles said it best uh, to paraphrase him. If there's a take, you fight on that take. You can't be you can't be wavering, man. Warriors Warriors are going to tie this up, dude. You got to say it. Say it with your chest. Oh god! Don't be here trying to use trying to use logic and yeah, you're right. And, oh, I don't know what to do. Like man, just, it's a waste of time. Stand on it. Logic. Stand on it. This logic is a waste of time. Anyway, if you're going to reference a Thug Poet, I feel like E40 is the proper one. If you're going back to the Warriors. Who is if it's a Cavs take, you got to go Bone Thugs, right? And New York, oh, plenty of options if you're going with the Knicks. Yeah, there's there's uh, Mims, there's the people who made chicken noodle soup, there's um, you know a whole bunch of people. (laughs) (laughs) You ran out of out of uh, mediocre New York rappers. There's uh, yeah, there's a guy who made Trap Queen. He's from New York. Waka Flocka's from New York, technically. Really, you know. Yeah, he was like born in New York or something like that. There's tons and tons of New York people. Wasn't Michael Jordan um, born in New York? Michael Jordan, yes. Any New Yorker will, will claim Michael Jordan as a as a as a New Yorker. Yeah, so. I don't get him. Yeah. All right, before before we go, before we go, wait, before we go. All right, what you got? I got an Austin. I got an Austin Reeves um, nickname. I've been working on it. It's better. Is I've it been, better? Hold on. Is it better than Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? Which oh, I love that one. I know, but they, they, they've been sleeping on Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, but we're going to go with Hick Van Axel. <laughs> Boom! Booyah! Who says no? Who says no to Hick, to Hick the Quick? Who uh, says ho- no to Hick Hopefully Austin says no. <laughs>